0: Just brothers and siblings somewhere on the spectrum, welcome one and all to the anime podcast of some sort. I'm David Majors, also known as DJM, my intrepid co-host, Jack D'Allister. What's up, Jack?
1: I'm intrepid and continuing to traverse this journey. Kingdom Hearts 3 came out today. I still don't know anything about it. And just like that, I dated the episode, David. How mad are you Emmy? I'm over it. Like, <laughs> Good, honestly. I'm glad, because I, that's the lesson today, folks, is much like these pedantic duo might tell you, everything is just a series of events, and it's up to you to accept and move on, or react to it accordingly.
0: Seriously, Tetsuya Namura is insane. <laughs> Why doesn't someone edit him and, and just
1: reel him in a I little really bit? I really hope that it... <laughs> I I am really hoping that I'll get some some untagged spoilers somewhere down my timeline because, like, I don't know what the hell is going on, but I'm really hoping for some weird, weird stuff. Okay, so you know, if you want to share, so you are playing it, you are playing it. I am not playing it, but you know, I know enough people who are, you know, in that fan base to where, like, you know, guys, I don't care if you don't have anybody to share (laughs) your. your untagged kingdom heart spoilers with, and you have to yell at somebody about how fucking weird this game is. Like, <laughs> you know yeah, who to call yeah. me too. Me too.
0: Chelsea, Chelsea, if you're listening, if you want to share some kingdom heart stuff with me, I may not entirely understand what the hell is going on, but y- you can spoil all you want with me. I, I am all internet ears. So on board. spoil all the kingdom hearts you want or the anime podcast of some sort but jack since this is an anime podcast supposedly allegedly possibly maybe i'm not sure sometimes i've had some caffeine uh it's, it's it's been i've had i've done about two other podcasts right before this one just to date this a little bit more so i've had to have some caffeine and some water and, and i'm keeping some things going it's late at night here it's really cold Right now the the arctic blast is hitting uh, this part of the United States, not Jack's mine. We should talk about some anime, Jack. And and I believe you mentioned that yeah. there there was a a French film that that you had planned on checking out. What was this about?
1: Okay, so I saw this, uh, there was a teaser trailer for it, just the original Japanese. I've since then watched the dub trailer for this. This is a uh, French film which is being stylized as the title MFKZ, short for Mutafuckas. And uh, I'm just going to read this first paragraph because it's delightful. jean Mashup MFKZ is the collaboration of French comic artist Guilame Rung Renard and Ultra Hip Japanese Animation House Studio 4C, creators of Tekon Kick Crete, Genius Party, and Mind Game. Oh, I've seen that one. The Tekon Kincrete Dream Team of Shojiro Nishimi and art director Shinji Kimura reunite to bring to life a dark but stunningly animated sci-fi vision that mixes anime, film noir, and Lucha Libre in an orgy of video game inspired mayhem. Now, David, that just sounds like a lot of words, but that sounds like a lot of good words. And I don't know
0: if you've seen the teaser for this. I believe you did (laughs) show me this. You did show me this. Yes. And it looked really cool. It looked really
1: damn cool. Yes. Uh, Is it out for release and viewing yet? Uh, So this had a limited theatrical release, and I desperately tried to look to see if there was going to be any further news on a home release or anything, or any kind of like digital online anything. Nothing so far, but it's definitely, it's got a U.S. website, Uh, they've got all kinds of information on it, and it did receive some buzz, so this could come, you know, this could get a, a home release, and I'm really certainly hoping it does, because I've heard nothing but really good things from people who have seen it. It definitely seems to be the 2018 well rather this came out of Japan in twenty seventeen. But you know, the the Gaijin will consider it a twenty eighteen release. Uh it was considered one of the most what the fuck foreign films of the of that particular year. So very much looking forward to it from a visual standpoint alone. But I'm definitely down for the kind of story where you get these buddies that are just kind of thrust into a grisly adventure I'm a huge fan of the Cornetto trilogy, you know your uh, Shaun of the Dead, your hot fuzz definitely a story uh, that's up my alley so I'm looking forward to seeing the adventures of these uh, these, these reprobates <laughs> I don't think they have a particular uh, occupation so I can't really call them anything Uh, these, these good looking critters, but that's MFKZ or matafuckas. That's M. Uh, (laughs) You know what to search
0: for. Are you going to be doing some like art house searching, Jack, in, in your area? Do you have some art house theaters in your area that you can go to and keep an eye out for this?
1: There was an, an art house theater that, uh, had oh, what did they play? They played something really, really nice uh, a couple years ago that I was had the fortune to watch. Uh, you know, I could go in, I could be the guy who's uh, stirring the pot and I could actually request this at our nice art house theater. So maybe that might end up having to happen. But uh, if and when this comes back into my orbit, I will be reporting back on it. Uh, Speaking of reporting back, David, I'm reporting back on an anime that I mentioned a couple shows ago, uh, and I'm getting into full spoiler and philosophical territory. That's right, folks. It's time to talk a little bit in depth about some animes. And, uh, boy, what a weird one to be talking about in depth at first glance. David, uh, Zombieland Saga... I didn't, uh, there was a lot more going into it than, I mean, people gave me an idea of what I had to expect going in. And, you know, people are always saying like, oh, I came in for the funny ha ha gallows humor and I left with, you know, sad, intrepid feelings for these people who I've, uh, grown to live vicariously through.
0: So Steven Universe.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So not that. I will say though, I definitely caught, uh, I caught feelings. I think a very good message at the base here. So just to kind of give another little basic idea of what the zombie idols were trying to accomplish, they were set up in this, uh, prefecture of Saga to try and fix the overpopulation situation. And I guess the idea was to, to do so with motivating songs. Although the implication is we don't get these kids horny, but you know, we're going to, we're going to brush that under the rug and go back to the encouraging portion, you know, get people excited about life. Give them veal, some, some zeal feel, give them some zeal, some lust for life. Some Viva la revolution. Zigger. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, um, I mean, Juxtaposing that kind of a message that you want to convey over, you know, a cast of zombies is not your first impression. You know, you think to yourself, that that doesn't seem to line up well. But it was really well held up by their actions in every episode continually working towards their end goal of finally, they only really came together as a full group at the end. And David, I did have some issues. I think I mentioned last time we talked about this, that I had watched this show, that there were some musical numbers, you know, they had the very poppy, you know, idol song that just kind of is whatever. Of course, it did have the, the upside of having lyrics that had to do with what was going on in the episodes, but it's still very like, eh, you know, you gave me death metal and rap in the first two episodes. What were you going to lead up to? This is, you know, I feel like that should have been your grand finale, but that's how you got me hooked in the first place. So I understand, you know, there wasn't anything to lead up to, uh, but there was, there was a lot of good stuff going on and, uh, I think that they conveyed what they meant to convey and, uh, Lily, Lily works as a transgender character, um. You know, after her episode, I thought to myself, "Okay, they're going to, you know, play this up for laughs or, you know, she's going to appear more masculine or anything like that. And she was just the same in the cast as she always had been. There was never a point where anything was left into confusion. It was all good, which is unfortunate. I have to say that was that's rare for an anime to do when they have that kind of a character, but it's rare. So, you know, let that sink in for a second. (laughs) Uh, but I had fun. I had fun with it. And uh, I think that the manager is one of my favorite anime characters of recent because, uh, you know, I just can't get enough of a fellow in a I've cave been, who doesn't I've care. I've been
0: hearing a lot about the the manager in this show. I've been seeing and hearing a lot about him. He he seems to be one of those anime characters that people really get attached to. and He seems memeable. And let's be honest, that's really all that matters nowadays is the <laughs> memes.
1: I feel like he, he has a little bit more to him uh, than the meme ability. I feel as if uh, the individual that is uh, our friend Kentaro is is a man, a myth, and a legend. And we would do well to respect him and and think of him past the mimicry. So I would think long and hard about that going forward folks who is the man with squid in his pocket that you're so keen to screen cap of course it's all in good fun uh david did you have the chance to watch some anime believe it or not
0: i actually did now listeners of the anime podcast of some sort will know that many a time on this podcast i lament In a forlorn matter of the growing issue of adulting while trying to consume the animus. However, thanks to the Arctic Blast happening here where we're trapped in the Arctic Vortex. uh, I had what the kids refer to as a snow day at the old day Jabarooski. And I spent that day playing a little bit of Ace Combat 7 and a little bit of watching the price of smiles egao no daika i talked about this anime on the last episode in in the season rundown of shows that caught my attention and this was the show that that held me the most yes it's the mech show shut up (laughs) but four episodes in i have to say that yeah, it's it's still kind of holding me. Uh as as I said in in the last episode of Apos, it has a lot of Gundam tropes, but it is using those tropes in ways that are just different enough to where I am not completely glossing over. The princess, uh she is a younger princess, uh which is very different from a lot of anime series with mecha in in space wars and all of that stuff. Uh she's young, she's inexperienced, and she has a lot of people around her that are trying to guide her along the correct path, and she makes mistakes. She's imperfect. She's a little impulsive, she's childish, but she is actually a child uh, as a character. She acts in a way you would expect a child to act, for good and for bad. She is not overly precocious, like uh, an American sitcom child. Uh, She is not wildly and insanely immature, uh, to uh, a point to where it is grating. And she is not, uh, as is often the case with a lot of anime, overly mature whereas all of the adults are completely clueless and don't know anything that is an anime trope that you do not see in the price of smiles uh the adults around her are capable intelligent and they care about her and they care about their country and they care about what is happening uh we are introduced to the pilots and uh, on both sides, they they have their motivations and their, their reasons. Uh, again, it is very Gundam-like in that way. And that so far, we're not seeing, or at least I'm not seeing, uh, four episodes through. Uh, one side that is necessarily good and necessarily evil, that may be fleshed out over time. But so far, I'm enjoying that... It is showing enough of both sides. Uh, everyone's least favorite term right now: both sides, to where neither is good or evil, but they're both they're both equally justified in their goals to a certain degree. But but the overall center point is the princess trying to do what's best for her nation. Uh, she is an orphan, uh, and her older brother is also gone. So here is this young girl with all of these adults around her that are helping her do what's best for the country. And, and that alone is an interesting plot point because she is not she's not a caricature. She is very much a real character and I respect that. Uh, some people out there may not like that because she's not perfect. She's not perfect, but I think that's okay. I think it's okay when your protagonist is not a trope, whether it's a character that is completely without a personality or a personality that is completely over the top and ridiculous. She is very much in the middle and very grounded. And I respect that. And I think it's because she has a mother figure around her that, that keeps her grounded and other adults that are in the military and, and the defense force for her nation that keep her grounded to a certain degree. And it's working very well. Uh, I think the female pilot, that uh, whose name escapes me at the moment, uh, I, I like her so far. She, she has that grounded sensibility to where she's eager, but she understands that war and death are involved. She wants to do what's best for, for queen and country, as it were, but also war is bad. Again, another Gundam trope. Uh, the mecha action is good, The CGI is good enough, like I said before. It's solid. The music of the entire series still, so far, is still very, very good. Better than a lot of mech shows have been in recent years uh, that are not something with the budget of a Gundam franchise. This show is pretty much hitting on all cylinders right now, and I'm going to do my best to keep up with it, uh, I hope it gets a dub so I can really digest it some more, but four episodes in, Egal no Daika, The Price of Smiles, it's its pretty reasonable. It's reasonable. I'm, I'm enjoying it, and I'm glad I got the snow day. Uh, not just to get started with Ace Combat 7, which I'm loving, because I've loved the Ace Combat series forever, and this is the first Ace Combat game in years... And it's so enjoyable. I know everyone's talking you know, about you- Kingdom Hearts, but <laughs> Ace Combat came out last week, and I'm enjoying that. So there you go. Don't at me.
1: <laughs> I'm enjoying some old, uh, some old uh, retro games and a couple of indie releases that happened last week. So definitely on that boat of everyone's going to be talking about Kingdom Hearts, but how about these games? Nobody figured. Well Ace Combat but, uh, got uh, a little bit talk of love a last bit. week.
0: I, I saw Ace Combat get a yes. little bit of love last week. I'm a week late, of course. Adulting. But what are you gonna do?
1: Go ahead. Jim. Ain't nothing wrong with being late. Ain't nothing wrong with being late. Everybody, please forgive me for any kind of late artwork. Please. Unless you then it's not late. <clears throat> Anyhow. Uh hearing you mention uh, you know, some, some things and some characters in uh the Price of Smiles makes me think, you know what this is also reminding me of? Uh, and it might be just because of my own experience with mech shows, but this is also giving me an idea of, this is reminding me of Code Geass, yeah. but with Nunnally yeah. as the protagonist.
0: I can see that. I can see that. I can definitely see that. This is not as your pitch heart-pumping <laughs> as Code Geass was. Uh, Code Nothing Geass... Is pretty much put you into the thick of a really intense conflict right from go uh the price of smiles is doing a little bit more world building a bit more introducing to characters very early on but i definitely get where you're coming from yes yeah i don't i don't think anybody
1: i don't think anybody can start off with so much of a bang as code geass did i mean you're in a terrorist attack basically (laughs) <laughs> There's not much you can go up from there No, no I mean, Lego the... Batman knew That's why they copied Code Geass
0: And that's yeah, why it's a good right. movie. It's a right. movie It's a great LEGO movie It's a Lego Batman was a Fantastic
1: movie really... Zach Galifianakis definitely Was the superior Joker performance Of that year Was that the same year as Suicide Squad? I think so Either way, Jared Let. Joker. Moving on,
0: we have some actual anime newsy stuff to cover. Jackson,
1: uh, uh, Crunchyroll, crun- my yeah, favorite crunchy kind of roll. such.
0: The the big anime giant that they are are continuing to expand their grasp over the anime landscape. Uh, and next year's Crunchyroll Expo will be introducing new Crunchy City. And according to the press release courtesy of animeherald.com, Crunchy New Crunchy City will be an immersive amazing experience where anime comes to life that empowers you to experience anime like never before as you as you stroll through the streets of the new Crunchy City metropolis with fellow anime fans. Now Jack, reading this press yes. release it reminds me of one thing and Ladies and gentlemen, and everyone in between, the anime podcast of some sort is about to get lewd. Now, Jack. Oh boy. The the old saying here at old at the old Apos is, "3D is greater than 2D," because you can put your D
1: in in 3D. Now
0: we really need those on shirts. We 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 should that that's a thing. Now (laughs) I'm seeing this, and I'm seeing an immersive, amazing experience where anime comes to life. And I immediately think this is going to involve VR. And Jack
1: is Crunchyroll uh, Interesting that you say that. I'll let you Crunchyroll finish, but is going to
0: let people spend time with their waifus in virtual reality life Is that what's going to happen?
1: You know, people will make the jokes for it and I'm sure some creep is going to directly ask Crunchyroll Expo but I sincerely doubt it. I don't know Crunchyroll. Fact, I doubt the uh, the likelihood of VR itself, but mm, I don't know I'll get into Crunchyroll
0: it a has a has a tendency to go a, a little too far for me. They tend to really lean into the self referential anime fandom side of things.
1: They, they really they are- lean into that. They do kind of uh, hold their honor as a, a f- honor, but I mean, you know, they, they hold, hold it with some level of pride that they started as a fan website, essentially.
0: They, they, Which I think uh, is part how, of it. How do I put this? They, they wave their hug pillows proudly, essentially, is what I'm saying. And, and it okay. makes me wonder just how far down the rabbit hole New Crunchy City will really, really go.
1: Can I just say I also appreciate that it has that kind of retro anime town name that it had to start with and it had to it had to be new something city it had to be
0: well, it could have <laughs> it been neo crunchy roll
1: I would have preferred just crunchy city to new crunchy city because um I mean it just kind of almost implies that someone ate the first one
0: <laughs> well, if since this is anime and it's new Crunchy City, we can already assume that there was a nuclear apocalypse. That, that already happened. And, it should and this be Neo
1: Crunchy City.
0: You're right, and though. Th- this has just been the, the rebuilt Crunchy City after whatever anime apocalypse happened in, in old Crunchy City. It it sounds intriguing, and I definitely feel like this might be VR, because VR experiences are becoming more and more prevalent. Uh, I went to go see Poppy in concert in 2018, and she had a VR experience, so I I feel like VR is definitely becoming more and more of an experience, and Crunchyroll has money to spend and money to burn, so this sounds like VR to me.
1: Now... I think it may not necessarily go as far as as a full VR experience, but I'm thinking you're right on the li- lines of it might be an augmented reality thing. Here's what I'm imagining. It's a kind of uh, tent or portion of the building that they've, you know, sectioned off and they'll have, you know, pre- and, and screens and stuff, and possibly even some mirrors up to give more, you know, depth into it. And, you know, there might be some events and some things and maybe some, uh, possible accessories that people are going to be pawning off that might help with visibility or whatever, but I'm thinking it's going to be something along that. Um, oh God, there was a theme park that had something like that. Uh, I'm thinking it's going to be more along that. Although, I'm not too familiar with VR myself to know. Maybe that's something you have a little bit more experience with. I've never even touched on VR. So who knows? I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know how accessible it is for a massive convention experience. I'm just thinking about if you have to headset everybody for a VR experience, which to my knowledge, you still have to. I think
0: there are headsets, there are now smartphones that can attach to headsets. It's it's definitely come a long way from the virtual boy, we'll say.
1: Yes, it absolutely has. Oh, boy, the virtual boy.
0: That is some terrifying
1: stuff. I've got some magic eyes of that, David. (sighs) Red and black are not a good color scheme together for, you know, low visibility, low light stuff. Mm -mm. But we all knew that. That being said, uh, you know, as far as far as uh, VR technology goes, unless they're going to have everybody who goes to New Crunchy City download some kind of app, or you know, like have like a special uh, phone holder for you know to use for their VR ex- experience, you know, assuming everybody has their phone on them, like they might do something like that. But I'm I'm doubting I'm doubting the existence of VR. I feel like it's going to be more of like a walkthrough kind of experience. Uh God! I wish I could think of what the what the event was. That it's either a thing at Knott's Berry Farm or Disneyland, where there's like a whole building and you go through, and there's all these different kinds of steps and you interact with things. And I know that's really, really vague, and I can probably just better later on elsewhere. But ah, oh, it it it's just like. If I could figure out what the hell I was specifically You're saying of,
0: augmented reality, which makes sense. That, that yes. definitely does make sense.
1: Yeah, I, more of an interactive, I, I am, like, lo-fi experience than, like, everybody has a headset. Because that would not be manageable for a con, I don't think. Not on a grand scale. Especially for Crunchyroll Expo, which has been getting some numbers, as far as I know.
0: I mean, they have the numbers, and Crunchyroll has the money. They could go big. They really, really could.
1: I just don't know about ver that far <laughs> into it. They it could it could be on level with you know like some of the Disney experiences now though. I think they could manage some of those kinds of effects if they do throw that level of money at it. I think they could. They could. We will wait and see. Uh, Crunchyroll Expo will be uh, that last weekend of August. So, we'll speaking know. of then.
0: properties that generate lots of money. Dragon Ball. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, allegedly, supposedly, uh, Toei, uh, unfortunately, had a a little bit of a mix-up, according to ANN. Uh, World Screen, a a news website uh, on the international level, uh, had a spotlight with a note that Toei was getting ready to produce more episodes of Dragon Ball Super. However, Toei Animation came out and said it's fake news we're not making any more dragon ball but if we did it would be the greatest episodes of dragon ball super in the world it would be absolutely amazing but for right now it's fake news uh it is not true at the moment i simply have one question why (laughs) do you not
1: like money
0: And follow-up question, Toei Animation, and anime industry as a whole. If it has gotten to the point where Dragon Ball isn't generating enough money for you to keep the train going, what is wrong with the anime industry? We're talking about Dragon Ball here, people. And you're taking what might be a two, three-year break? And it's still not making enough money for you? This is Dragon Ball, people. How is Dragon Ball not making enough money for you? How is this gravy train not continuing aside from the Brawly movie? Jack, there's a very serious problem with anime when Dragon Ball is not generating enough money
1: to keep its own gravy train going. David, if I had a choice between living a sad, Miserable, lonely life behind in a cubic. Or working right now, I could pack my bags and go to Japan and be an animator. I, I'd I'd kill myself on the spot. I could not make that decision because wow, the anime industry right now is really, really bad. <sighs> I don't know if uh, you know, the general uh downtick of the industry is responsible for this. I almost wonder if I mean I've been coming up with a lot of these, but in foil theory, I'm wondering if they're, you know, Toei's just kind of squirreling some money away, like, no, 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 we're gonna we're gonna keep, you know, overextending the Dragon Ball Super brand into, you know, more video games and and more more spin-offs and more of this and you know Maybe that's what's happening, but that's pure conjecture. I have nothing to go off of that. I worry. I concern. I have full now, concern.
0: Now, I remember times where the where the anime industry was on a downturn and when the bubble burst uh, in the early 2000s. The thing is, this is Dragon Ball. And at least on this side of the world, uh, before Super came back... Funimation got every dollar they could out of the Dragon Ball franchise and Toei Animation since Super came back and with the movies has to be making some kind of money to at the very least keep producing the show. It has to at least be making its own money back. Is there another franchise? Okay, one piece. I'll give you one piece. But besides One Piece, is there another franchise besides Dragon Ball that is making that level of money? I ask. I genuinely ask. And there is something broken. There is something not just bad, but fundamentally broken within the industry. If if this is the case where Toei has to say, no, we're still definitely not making any new episodes of Dragon Ball Super anytime soon like it's I I can't say enough like it's Dragon Ball Super it was a smash hit on both sides of the world again because it's Dragon Ball Where, where is Dragon Ball Super it's like we were saying early on way back in in even 2017 on this podcast hey what's taking so long for Dragon Ball Super to get over to this side of the world where are the dubs for Dragon Ball Super? Funimation, Toei, get it together. Th- this is your meal ticket. This is your number one. What's the deal? Get it together. What is going
1: on? And uh, look forward to when we confirm on the next day, pass that as soon as we finish recording this episode, there was confirmed Dragon Ball Super episodes i'm just waiting for it at this point it happens so often david i'm just anticipating it you're welcome everybody legalized dark stalkers i'm still hoping
0: you know normally i would this would be the part where i would say just let it go but hey man i got an ace combat game for the first time in 12
1: years yeah it could it could happen I know a lot of people, a lot of people who enjoy that series. So please, 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 I, Capcom, make a good looking fighting game again.
0: I, I went there. I got Ace Combat because Bandai Namco is wonderful and amazing and have been for over two decades now. Capcom. Yes. Give your fans a little sum-sum. Go go ahead and do that, Darkstalkers, because Jack isn't the only one I know that wants that to happen. I I would like to see my friends get something nice and, and be happy while I'm flying in the skies in the strange real universe.
1: It, I will be forever baffled how Street Fighter took off when the infinitely much better looking and... In in my opinion, much more fun gameplay of Darkstalkers did not take off. Like the fact that the much more boring looking Street Fighter is the more popular series and got so many installments will I think never never I think Street
0: Fighter being boring because it is, and yeah. being less appealing visually because it is, is probably why kind of in the same reason uh, pop music oftentimes is more popular than, say, more esoteric kinds of things. It, it's the same thing. And, and that's what Street Fighter is. Street Fighter is McDonald's and Darkstalkers is Whataburger, I, I suppose. Baja
1: Fresh. Oh, <laughs> that works too. Yeah, guys, you know, if, if your top reason for liking something is because it everybody does or because it's easy to or because it doesn't challenge you i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry you can imagine the look on my face right now but
0: we need to talk about another franchise that we'll right, make that will make money forever and for for some reason uh, this is a franchise that knows how to keep pumping out content for people uh pokemon uh and already everybody already and the first movie has not even come out yet they didn't even wait
1: till the movie released
0: oh we have a sequel announced for detective pikachu uh it has been announced uh that the hollywood reporter has revealed that a sequel to detective pikachu which is not out yet is already in the works And uh, we already have a writer tapped for it, and that writer is Oren Uziel, who wrote 22 Jump Street, funny movie, and The Cloverfield Paradox, great movie, and Men in Black International, hasn't come out yet, Uh, Eh, we'll we'll see. Did he work on
1: any of the other Men in Black movies?
0: Uh, No, just Men in Black International. And (laughs) also, in in his credits, there's one other movie, Jack. Oh, you, yeah. coming lo- you know, coming when I went to go motion. and
1: see uh, I, I saw I saw I uh, saw a mm. poster for that movie, David yeah. When I went to go see another terrible movie yeah. And uh, I'm I, I'm so sorry It just it,
0: it's, <sighs> it's,
1: it's the Sonic movie He
0: he also worked on the Sonic movie I
1: know <laughs> I don't know anything about Sonic And I feel like I could do a better movie than this just, like, give me a sheet of paper now, and I'll design a better Sonic than that. What is going on?
0: Let's stick with Detective Pikachu. Now, okay. you were a bit more excited for this than I was. So I'll ask you, how are you feeling knowing that Detective Pikachu is already going to get a sequel?
1: I mean, I have kind of a general frustration with how we're handling trailer culture and, and uh, you know, uh, advertising for movies and media these days, but that's a more general thing. I'll I'll leave that for a second. I was excited a little bit about Detective Pikachu because it felt like this wasn't a movie for the people who you know know exactly however many fucking Pokemon there are. I don't know. I thought there were five hundred. Apparently there's seven hundred or more. I don't know. I don't. I will never care. So I thought this movie would be fine for me now i'm just thinking oh you're already talking about a sequel this is just gonna be a movie for mm, nobody i like i feel like it's gonna be a product this which... will
0: be a movie for parents who need their kids to shut up for an hour and a half
1: yeah this is so
0: they, so they will put this on their tvs and their kids will watch it and they'll shut up for about 90 minutes no parents can take their xanax like what i saw have a drop of wine get back to business
1: like what i saw the trailer of the first movie was you know it was fun and if they go full on you know that direction that they've that they've given us you know with the comedic uh but full like buddy cop uh direction of everything i will totally be down for it but i mean already make. This is a product, man. Already making me think. This is just something we just want you to buy. And well, let's. I'll, I'll get into it now. You know, it's Pokemon. It, it is Pokemon. Yes, it, it's very much the productiest product that's ever commoditied. I just think we need to stop with this kind of advertising and kind of press and everything. We need to stop just kind of talking about what this person's done. Who's the director slated for this? What does Bo Peep look like? In- Toy Story. Who's the celebrity guest voice we have for this new Shrek movie? What's... Th- no, enough. We need to stop. We can't just keep bringing in pieces and bits and actors and cast members and bobbles. like every single aspect of it matters. Yes, they do matter. These individuals and these artists do matter. But when you just hand out pieces and that's going to be the only thing that you do to give yourself more revenue, it's disingenuous. It's not putting forward any artwork. It's not putting forward any content. It's not putting forward the passion that these people are putting into it. I'm going to use Mary Poppins as an example. I really wish that I didn't have so much to say about this forgettable movie, but Mary Poppins Returns had another one of those Disney things at the beginning where they go, you're about to sit down and watch this movie that a bunch of people made. Everything on the screen had to be made, except for, they say that for the animated movies, because it, it's true, not for the crummy live action ones. They have to, I mean, you do have to CGI, and then that takes effort, and there are there is animation involved, but... Different. But, you know, the one for Mary Poppins Returns in particular with Emily Blunt and Lin-Manuel Miranda. So first of all, not the director, but the actors, the faces of it, the people that you knew the names of before you even knew that you existed. These people show up and very read something in one breath that was clearly on a teleprompter and were enticing you to give a shit about the fact that they were the faces that you're going to see two minutes after the logos finish loading on this projector. It's ridiculous, David. We have to fucking stop. We can't just let this be how advertising works anymore. We can't let Infinity for confirmed to be this be the way that it it, we can't let this be trailer culture i'm sick of it
0: i remember a director that i always laud christopher nolan a couple of days ago he announced that he has a movie and all he did was give the date sometime in 2020 i believe may in 2020 and that was it and nothing else I'm still
1: working on how I that feel about that. That is the best that. way to go about it,
0: because I, I feel like nobody else can do that but him. But oh dear God, he is so necessary in today's world.
1: You're right about that. Yes, Isn't he-,
0: he. Yes, he made the Batman franchise uh, and brought DC films to a certain level of prominence. Uh, thank goodness. But he's also done so many other things that are not rehashes and not part of a franchise and not a reboot and not a remake and not just trying to go viral or trying to get hits or trying to generate buzz. He just said, here's the date of the movie. That's it. Not a title, not anything. And we, we really need more that's what you need that. we need more of that and less less commodification of art art has become such a commodity that they are all franchises everything is franchised now and it is we're seeing detective pikachu 2
1: before detective pikachu 1 man it it's so blatantly we already know this is going to have butts in seats so we don't even care if it's good we're already ready for franchise and i mean we all know how the avatar franchise is going don't we how's that candle burning james cameron oh are you still working on avatar 2 okay
0: oh. hey he alita's coming out he he managed to pass off alita and that's about to come out
1: that's true and that's looking you know people are hyped for it I'm I'm excited Plus, people are Hype. saying it looks good yeah 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 you know David I think we're both very clear we don't like derivative works and if we do like derivative works it's because a little somebody brought a little something more to the idea than what they got out of it you <sighs> That's really what it is. At the end of the day is when you're reflecting to media, when you are reacting to it, you're getting an impression from it. You feel something. And if you're giving back to it, then that's, you know, one of the one of the greatest things that you can do. Jeez, this is so hard for people to understand, David. It's so tiring. I'm so tired.
0: And the thing is, is that they're all making so much money already all making yeah. so much money already. Jack, let's move on to something. Let's let's go old school. Let's oh, yes. do something we we used to do way 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 back on the A3K podcast on anime3000.com when I would have guests on and we needed to fill time and, and just have some some hot takery and some conversationalizing if you will. Let's bring up a list. Oh yeah. Now, this list, Jackson uh, actually, y- you came across it, and when I saw some of these, it felt like uh, that there were some in here that had some things that I had been trying to preach to the masses for quite some time. So, Jack, go ahead and tell us a little bit about this list. All
1: right, this is the top five and some honorable mentions. We'll go through those first. Best, most underrated anime theme songs ever. And yes, it's a biased list, and it is mentioned as such, but I was shocked by how decent that this list was. You've got your usual offerings, there is a Naruto OP that made it into the top five, and there's a Tokyo Ghoul OP, which I unfortunately, I think that's the only one that I hadn't heard before that I didn't care to listen to. But uh, honorable mention here, one that I know to be a total jam, David, and if you haven't heard this OP before I would highly recommend looking it up. It's the season 1 opening for Soul Eater, TM Revolution's Resonance, and it's just poppy. It's got a nice, good, nice beat to it. It's very upbeat, very fun, and the visuals that accompany it are perfect. It just it brings you right into Soul Eater. It you what you need to know. Right from the beginning. Here's some cool looking creepy people. Here's a big badass song about it. It's going to get your blood pumping. Have some fun, you kids. You crazy kids. Uh, And then in top five, starting with the top five here, we have the Angels of Death opening. I don't know much about this anime, but this was a pretty solid pick. Uh, Followed by... I see that it is by
0: Masaki Endo, who is a personal favorite of mine. I love pretty much anything and everything he does or anything he's involved with because he more often than not with a lot of anime openings he is involved in he and a lot of his songs uh they go more on the hard rock and and heavier side of things which oftentimes is forgotten in a lot of anime and i listened to this song and i i dug it I dug it quite a bit because I I always appreciate when an anime deviates from having this kind of a a bouncy, upbeat kind of anime song that the song you expect to hear from an anime and turns up the intensity a little bit. And Masaki Endo is very, very high on my list. Very, very high.
1: It makes me very happy to know that uh at least i know you're the one who watches more anime out of the two of us by far but out of the anime that that watch there's a higher percentage of those that have uh, a heavier harder rock uh opening than normal uh ops so that's kind of nice to know that proportionately i might be getting a little bit more of the good stuff Uh, but yeah, this was a very serviceable one. That's, uh, Masaki Endo's Vital, which is the opening for Angels of Death. Also, the animation that went along with it, even if that isn't a factor in this list, was pretty nice. I don't know anything about Angels of Death, but I've seen it around and, you know, good on you for making this list. Yes, David? Keep going. Number four. Okay. Number four, uh, so this is one from the Danganronpa Despair Arc. So this is one of the two, uh, series that ran concurrent, uh, for the final chapter, I guess, of the Danganronpa series, and that's Matching the Color of God by Benaria. This is kind of a weird one, uh, definitely kind of an eerie situ- situation, I mean, despair arc. It's not going to be the cheerier out of the two. The other being hope arc, of course. Um. It's haunting. It's eerie. It was a little bit of a dirge. I'm not a really keen on the slower OPs, which is why I like Resonance so much. But, you know, it is good. So I wasn't unhappy to see it on this list. I think that the regular Rampa theme would also do well. That has been in other Rampa animes. But it wouldn't count it because, oh, that's from the game originally. We can't have video game music on here, but this next one, David. I know this one is one that we both oh, very yes. much appreciate. I, I feel this... like w- you
0: and I have been talking about this one for years.
1: I'm not unhappy with number one, and I'm just going to skip number two. That's the Naruto one, whatever. But uh, let's, let's. I just will talk about this.
0: number one for sure.
1: Number one. Number one is great. I def- definitely appreciate number one. I feel like this might this might beat out number one just a little bit for me out of this list but this is Bradio's Flyers the opening from Death Parade the very definition of what the kids call a bop I think this has to solidly be a bop this is
0: unquestionably my favorite anime opening of the last decade of the last decade it is my number one with a bullet for sure Uh, I fell in love with this song. I fell in love with this band, Bradio. They are so, so fun. They are so, so cool. Uh, The opening sequence to Death Parade, uh, while it is completely out of character for the anime itself, uh, it is wonderfully animated. The characters are dancing. It's a lot of fun. The actual music video by the band Bradio is a hoot. And yeah, this song... This band, this anime, just five stars. Five, 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 five stars.
1: If, if you listen to any of these that we're talking about, it should probably be this one. And if you haven't listened to number one, I'm going to be very disappointed in you. Now, I mean, unless you're younger, in which case it's fine. No, it's still no but, excuse. I mean, I've heard this before. I've heard this before. What's your excuse? I'm not even that young. Ah!
0: Number one. Kids these days, David. No... In the words of the, the late, gray old, dirty bastard, I'm going to rub your ass in the moonshine and take it back to 79. The number one on this poll was Fly Gundam, the original opening theme song to the groundbreaking anime saga that started it all,
1: Mobile Suit Gundam. Sorry. <laughs> I can't do it as justice. I yeah, cannot.
0: I am someone who always preaches the gospel of 1970s and 1980s mecha anime opening themes. Whether it is the strong masculine vocals that you do not hear in anime anymore, with the exception of the aforementioned Masaki Endo, uh, you have these trumpets, trumpets, which you hear in the aforementioned Bradio from time to time. And just this soaring musicality that makes you want to see this robot fight and save the world. And it is just a wonderful piece of music. Putting my nostalgia aside, it just fills you with adrenaline, and, and you feel the space opera flowing through your veins. Now, this piece from Crunchyroll uh, brings up the Andrew W.K. Uh, version did... of this song, uh, but who cares? Oh, that was a thing? Yeah, he, he's really into Gundam, and he made a whole album uh, all of Gundam songs. Uh, including his own cover of Tobe Gundam. So he, he he legitimately loves Gundam, and I respect that. But the original, it is so wonderfully perfect for just that era and that time and what it meant and its significance. And I, I love, even even now, just hearing... A song like Tobe Gundamu," it just fills me with joy. Just hearing uh, any mech song with trumpets and a strong masculine voice, uh, it just fills me with joy. I always say with a song like Fly Gundam, they don't make them like this anymore. And they really, really don't, Jack.
1: It's true. I think of, you know, the, the heavy brass of like a lot of old anime music it was a i think they were almost as iconic in uh you know the classic like oh i can't think of the name but it's the transformation song in sailor moon the one that has like the very like da, 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 like they oh, all yeah. you know that's an era right there that's that's a whole genre of anime music of just this unadulterated this is our culture with our cartoony goofiness this That's basically, there you go, if you're ever curious, if you're ever just a dang fool just sitting at home and not thinking of, man, I wonder what silly, goofy cartoon music sounds like in Japan. This is it, bruv. This is it. This is it right here. Unadulterated as best as possible before all this cultural crossover situation happened, which I am totally fine with, by the by. I'm happy that we're able to learn from each other, even if at some times it gets a little little iffy. Always happy to learn more from other countries. That being said, I'm happy with this list, and you should definitely give these all a listen. Now, Jack, uh, I did not know about Andrew W.K. That's insane. Yeah,
0: yeah he, he's, he's, very, he's very much a Gundam fan. He, he, he definitely is. That's now, Jack... I'm going to throw you on the spot here. Give me an anime opening or any kind of anime opening that you think has gone under the radar that you'd like the
1: world to know more about and maybe even at you. Uh, I'm going to get the definite name of this one. So just give me a minute here because Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei is fantastic. It, it just is. It's visually trippy. It has a lot of interesting, funny stories. A lot of little things to say about uh, mental health. Well, a lot of it can be exaggerated. It's a lot of fun. Uh, all of these openings are great. I want to go with Kuso Rumba," which is... Or Kuso Rumba, sorry. It's because they say Roomba in the song. They're all like, Roomba, Roomba, we don't know how to say the name of a style of dance with this kind of... a consonant uh so kuso rumba from uh i think it's the third season of sayonara zetsubo sensei i don't have an artist name god, god damn it uh, i'll look well, that up Jack, later i guess um you go ahead and you go yes. ahead
0: and look that up and and i will do what they call in the business vamp and take up my turn
1: yeah you go ahead and do that
0: there was an anime in 2008 that unfortunately only got one season. However, it is one of those long-running space opera like novel sma- slash manga series uh, created by Yoshiki Tanaka. Uh, it is called Titania, and the opening song to this show was called Ano Sorawo Ike. And it was done by Ken Nishikori. And the opening to this show uh, was fully symphonic. And Ken Nishikori uh, gave an operatic vocal performance. And it is so out of character from everything you hear from any kind of anime music these days. But given the context of this show, Titania, and what it was, uh, short as it was, and the the story for what it is, uh, it is absolutely perfect. As a piece of music, it is the closest that I've heard in a very, very, very long time to those retro mecha operatic songs of the days gone by Uh, jack mentioned the sailor moon transformation music uh, with its orchestral pieces uh, the brass sections Uh, this one is predominantly strings behind ken nishikori's operatic voice and it is so 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 well done and again it's so very different from everything else you hear in anime but it just works so well uh, it is a departure but it is such a good departure and it is such a good piece of music uh, that is the anime the short-lived anime titania uh, and the opening theme ano sora wo ike by ken nishikori
1: well not only did I find the artist for the opening that I was thinking of, I also remembered another one from another very obscure anime that is also really good. So I've got one for whether you're in the mood for something heavy or something a little bit on the groovier side here, David. We have... Uh, On the side of Sayonara Zetsubo Sensei, you've got Kuso Rumba from Season 2 by Kenji Otsuki. And it also happened to have a very heavy metal, big in-your-face and kind of surreal opening in the first season, also by Kenji Otsuki, called Hito Toshite Jiku Buteru. Good luck looking that one up. I just looked up the season one opening. But, you know, get it, it's a little out there. It's definitely got some heavy metal aspects to it. And some weird spoken word metered speech and some schoolgirls kind of humming in the back going, da 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 So, you know, be in the mood for something weird. Uh, on the other side of things, if you want something kind of like, you know what, I want something disco-y. I want something... A little along the lines of this classic anime opening that we got right now. This kind of anime era. But I'm not so into the really out there overt stuff. I don't want the pop pop. You know what I mean? So I give you Dark and Light from Monochrome Factor. Monochrome Factor is a pretty generic, oh, we gotta fight the darkness, the dark creatures of the darkness kind of show. I enjoy it. I don't care. It's got a fun bar setting. What am I going to do? I enjoy those. <laughs> That's why The Simpsons is my favorite anime, tape in. I can't get enough of most ever. But uh, Dark and Light will set you straight if, you need, uh, if you've got a craving that only disco beats and a decently uh, well-voiced singer can satisfy. And I'm pretty sure all the ones that I mentioned have a kind of mid-range male vocalist. I don't think I mentioned any that were like the shrieking lady scene or I think there might have been one that had like a a deep voice lady vocalist, but I don't really go in for those, uh, you know, those shrieky songs. True. I I think that is something we can both agree on, David. And of course, there's nothing wrong with a good operatic belt.
0: Uh, my favorite uh, J-pop female vocalist, uh, Mel or Medu, uh, retired way, way, way back, uh, and she was in the lower register. Uh, one quick one I'll throw out there: uh, the anime Rideback. Another short anime, but the opening theme to that one was also pretty spectacular.
1: Oh uh, yeah, I keep forgetting about Rideback. That one is again. If you want to talk about stuff doing something different and weird, that is an anime to talk about. It really in many ways,
0: only 12 episodes, that one. But still,
1: I enjoyed the hell out of it. Well, David, we've certainly talked about some anime and we've got some music that we've been talking about. And I think with that, I don't want to waste anybody else's time. I think I'd like them to get cozy and follow us on Twitter and turn up one of these tunes and maybe, maybe cue up another one of our uh, anime podcasts of some kind. No, that's not right. It's of some sort.
0: You've been doing this for like 8 years, Jack. For God's <laughs> sake.
1: <laughs> Man, it's really been... it had oh my god. 2011.
0: No, no. Oh my no, god. No, no it no. was like No, it was more like It wasn't 20... that was no, long. No, 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 no. I was I was being facetious. Uh it was more like 20 <laughs> I started at 2013. So you know, it's only been six. You were you yeah. were close. Wow, yeah, yeah, maybe twenty thirteen, twenty fourteen, yeah, yeah. And then I said, "Nope, I'm doing a podcast with Jack. End of discussion." And pretty much from there, we've we've been talking about cartoons ever since.
1: There you go, and we're happy to continue to do so. At least I am. I don't know about and David. I
0: assume. I, I am too. I'm, I'm happy to talk about <laughs> cartoons with Jack. That's the there caveat. And that has been the caveat since day one. And, and you know damn well that's not going to change by now. I demanded Jack to be my co-host once. And, and I'm keeping him around. There's not a damn thing you can do about it. Except subscribe to the anime podcast of some sort in your podcatcher of choice. If you check us out on Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us the five stars. Don't be a hater. Share it out. Tell a friend. Tell an enemy if you don't like it. If, if you don't like us, tell somebody you don't like. Maybe they might, and yet they might leave you alone afterwards. We're in TuneIn. If you have a smart device, we're in all the podcast aggregators. And of course, the old school RSS feed is back on the mothership at DeltaJulianMike.com. You can follow Jack on the Twitter twatter at Jack D, Tyler D. Uh, I believe you can follow Jack on Instagram at Black History Month behind the truck. <laughs> that, that, that's his name now. Uh, coming up for February. I believe that's the name. Right, Jack? Well, what's was, your Instagram name?
1: <laughs> it's still duck behind the wheel. I was almost going to go and try and get Oscar Proud family snacks for the upcoming Black History Month. and. <laughs> I think someone already has that handle. Fair enough. <laughs> so if you're out there, Oscar Proud Family Snacks, uh, I I really hope that you're getting some mileage out of that. Uh. And
0: everybody, you can follow me on Twitter at CallMeDJM. I'm doing some stuff. I, I'm doing even a new podcast again where I'm talking about wrestling again. And and I'm still on Record Breakers. He's and, doing and, it, the and absolute I, mad lad. And I'm producing a sports show for my friends where they do sports talk radio. And I'm the producer behind the glass at sports ends.com. So if you like that kind of thing, go ahead and listen to that. And as always at Delta, Thank you, everybody, ladies, gentlemen, everyone in between, brothers and sisters and siblings on the spectrum. I got it right this time. Thank you all for listening to the anime podcast of some sort. And we will be back with conversations about Japanimation. Oh, yes, it's back in the not too distant future.
1: Gosh, don't be on the wrong side of history.